and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Hi everyone, Karolina Tod speaking, and this is the Level Up Engineering Podcast. Every other week we talk with accomplished tech leaders, and today I am happy to introduce you to Ellen Wong, Director of Engineering at Calm. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Um, Today we will be talking about managing hybrid teams, but before we start with our topic, I'd like to have you introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a bit about your background and what your passions are. Uh, first of all, super excited to be here talking to a global audience here and uh, engaging and uh, uh, you know talking with leaders. Hi, I'm Ellen, Ellen Wong, uh, currently Director of Engineering at Calm. I manage their B2B engineering team as well as uh, data engineering and product platform team. In the past, I have worked on mobile applications and machine learning applications, as well as data intensive applications. So really touched on all through the stack uh, in engineering. My passion is building happy and productive teams. Most recently, I'm more focused on, you know, building happy and productive teams through coaching uh, the next generation of leaders. All of these are uh, my passion. So today's topic, you know, how to continue to work in a hybrid environment, onboarding remote teams, and continue to build this happy and productive team is very much uh, something I care a lot about. Right. Thank you so much. With that said, we are kind of living through a world-changing pandemic, and uh, this is the second year of the pandemic, so we've had a bit of an experience with working remotely. And I'm sure I can speak for the rest of the world when I say probably everything is going in the hybrid direction like some people seem to be really enjoying working remotely and other people really want to go back to the office so let's define what hybrid means for the purposes of this conversation so i think when we're talking about hybrid teams i think often now we call it just how the new way of work right or calm for example back in may and june the company actually announced that, oh, we're a remote first company now. Uh, They went from a startup culture, San Francisco headquarters, where everyone's working together day to day and and interacting closely with each other in person um, to going remote first, which is a really drastic change. And with that, not everything changes all at once, right? We we certainly have people who really enjoy seeing each other in person. Uh, At the same time, some folks that are just you know, really excited about the possibility of working really from anywhere uh, in the world, or at least like for some departments in the US. Um, and so what really happens is now we have a group of people that works together, um, but they not may or may not uh, locate all in the same location, we have subset of them in, in a certain uh, location. So now we have some people that might go back to the office in person when a pandemic is a bit more under control. Uh, while still have some uh, employees working remotely. So that's what I would consider to be a hybrid team situation. All right. Can you tell us a bit about your experience with the advantages of going fully remote or, or the disadvantages of going fully remote? 
when we first started talking about going fully remote, uh, a lot of people have very drastically different reactions to it. There's a chunk of people that are just excited. They don't have to do the daily commute, they're stuck in traffic and spend hours not working or not being at home. But there is actually a subset of the group that are really quite sad. It's like a sense of loss, like, oh, uh, we don't get to be together. We don't get to interact with each other like we used to. Um, so there's definitely some part of that. So in, in a way, while there is you know, a gain in flexibility and, and perhaps time saved in commuting, there is a loss of the in-person togetherness, the ease of gelling a team, the just like being together and, and really having that, experiencing that culture in a very real way. So yeah, there's definitely pros and cons there. I think that it's also a shift in expectations as well. I think that the startup um, the one that I'm in now and also the, the one that I worked at right before Calm has a very not remote friendly culture, so to speak. A lot of decisions making, conversations and discussions were in person. So when we're going full remote, there's a sense of worriness and maybe perhaps anxiety from both management team and also, you know, individual contributors. Hey, how is this going to work? How is that going to affect my day to day? Are we still going to be able to deliver like we used to? So there's certainly a lot of learnings and shift that we had to make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With that said, can you compare and contrast the benefits that you see in a hybrid team and perhaps the disadvantages of working in a hybrid team? Yeah, so before the pandemic, at my last startup, uh, Periscope Data, I actually had a firsthand experience of more of a hybrid team. Uh, It was an interesting situation in that the startup itself uh, was very in-person friendly, favor in-person being in the office and interacting with each other, whiteboarding in person and just like huddling, right? So it's a lot of the interaction were not remote friendly at all. So when I first experienced a hybrid situation was we actually had a really valuable engineer who was moving across the country and we really wanted to uh, continue to work with him because he's great and he's been with the company forever. On top of that, he he was actually going to move to a different time zone. That was an additional uh, challenge. But I think that's when we first, you know, needing to figure out how to make it work. And it was a success at the end, but it really takes a whole team, right? Going remote first uh, or having a hybrid team really does take the whole team to make it work. And so kind of going back to having the team coming together and think about ways um, to make the entire team successful, including the remote member, was key to making it work. Of course, there's inconvenience, right? We had to shift our scrum meeting from a favorable 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to a much earlier, like 9 a.m., just to accommodate you know, uh, a coworker in a different time zone. Uh, we went from in-person whiteboarding where, oh, whenever the, an idea hit, we would just walk over to the whiteboard to, hey, let's make sure we document and actually, you know, use tools that a remote engineer can also be a part of. And so I think that there's all these shifts. It, it takes, you know, a little bit of work, right? And it's, it in, increased friction of, of kind of the day-to-day interaction. But at the same time, it's so worth it because now we you know, we would have lost this engineer because he was moving away. But because of these adjustments, while maybe mildly inconvenient, we get to work with someone who we really enjoy working with. So the trade-off is for us is still very much worth it. 
That sounds great. And it also sounds like that when you manage such a hybrid team, you have to put a lot of effort into creating a team atmosphere for inclusion of everyone. Like it's a different kind of diversity when people are all over the place. What do you think are the biggest challenges that are coming up for for tech leaders who will manage hybrid teams? I think there's a few different elements to this. First off, I think as tech leaders, when I first started to need to manage a hybrid team like this, honestly, I was pretty nervous because how do I make it work, right? Uh, as an eng leader, we want to make sure everyone feels included. Um, at the same time, team happiness and productivity is also important. So how do you make that trade-off? If someone wants to have a conversation while the remote engineer is not around, do you have it? Or do you wait for the engineer? And how much is too much inclusion? And also, I think if we make everything harder, if we don't you know, work at making everything like easy to include others, are we then doing the engineers who are in the office of this service? Are we putting that burden overly onto people who are in the office? So there was a lot of those that crossed my mind when I started. And this was pre-pandemic where remote wasn't a norm yet. So people don't quite have that DNA. So it was actually quite daunting, but I think that exercise of kind of going back to the team and say, hey, how do we make it work? Because it's not just on a team lead, it's not just on the manager, it's actually on every single person. And to kind of really, you know, ingrain in the team itself that we all own, we're part of this community, we, we like working together, so let's make it work together. That to me was like the number one thing, is having the team committed to making this work. From there, a lot of it, it becomes... Okay, like let's let, let's lay out the ground rules. What are our rules of engagement? We kind of lay out there are daily meetings around updates. So how do we do that? So it, it could be in person, it could be through an asynchronous like Slack uh, update, and then it's about anticipating risk. So what happens when the remote engineer is blocked, and what happens when someone needs help but then they're not quite around so together we establish kind of almost like a run book like the rules of engagement uh, as a hybrid team anticipating what are some of the issues that could go wrong and proactively come up with different modes of solutions and from there we just iterate on it the thing is it's not going to be perfect every team is different what might work for one hybrid team may not work for another hybrid team so it's really about coming together as a team, figuring out what is your runbook, your rules of engagement, and make sure that you revisit and iterate on it because it's not going to be perfect the first time. And you don't want to over-engineer process because what engineers hate the most is probably uh, too heavy of a process for the problem you need to solve. So that's how we work on that together. That sounds like a fabulous team and a team dynamic where everybody can take ownership over including someone or including a few people what would you do or if you were in such a situation before what what have you done to remind people who are maybe more reluctant to be as inclusive or have you ever faced such a challenge or you just work at great companies where every engineer is really <laughs> conscious about including everyone who is maybe not present I think this this has also a couple elements to it. When thinking about how to make a hybrid team successful, 
you have the team you have, right? You, you're either joining a team or you went from not remote to remote or hybrid. But really, like my experience at Calm is actually I've joined remotely and I've since hired majority of my team remote. In that experience, what I thought of it is when we weren't remote, right? In my last start, when we weren't remote, when we were very much in person, we didn't just let anybody go remote. Um, there were certain criteria that we look for. Um, and then those are the criteria I now look for when I'm hiring people, because now we're a remote team and, and hybrid team. And these are some of the qualities would be like, hey, are they kind and inclusive? That's one of the things that you, you can look for in your interview. Are they a good communicator? Right? Are they able to convey their point or you have to keep asking follow-up questions? Are they proactive? That's actually really important because in a remote world, you just don't, can't, you can't rely on organic interaction to service issues. You just really need someone to find ways to make things work and proactive. And are they open to feedback? That's actually a really important thing because in a remote world, miscommunication is going to happen, misalignment will happen, and they're more complex than usual. And so everyone just like needs to dial and receive so much more feedback than they used to. And, and that's how we iterate and continue to make things work. And so I think one of the key in my mind of making hybrid and remote teams successful is actually in your hiring process, whether or not you're having a team that will set you up for success as, as you go remote and hybrid. And so let's say you you have the team that you have and like, okay, what then what 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 do we do? Well, it's time again, going back to the rules of engagement, these are now going to need to be part of the core values of the team. Like, can you be inclusive? What does it mean to be inclusive? And what I find more often than not when we notice like less than inclusive behaviors that hurts productivity, it's not because the person is not willing to. Um, if, if that's the case, you, you do have to give the person that feedback. More often than not, it's lacking in context. They didn't know, oh, by not sharing the document in a timely manner, the other person is now confused and stuck for hours. By not documenting certain things in a clear way, it actually drains productivity of the wider team. So it's so important as leaders to communicate why do we want people to do certain behaviors beyond just the word inclusive? It's, it has real impact in people's happiness and team's productivity. And if you hire the right people, they want pro productive and happy teams, they will do the right thing. So that's my experience anyway. I love it. I really think this is great because you mentioned a lot of really great things that you would want your engineers to have anyway. Is it just that you have to be more careful to look for people who are more open-minded and and more conscious of themselves or interacting with their co-workers and they have to be even better communicators is that it maybe in the pre-covid and pre-hybrid team scenario those are nice to have or really great when they have it but now in the hybrid world it's almost a must-have having worked in this environment and knowing how different people react to me is okay. Even if you're the best coder out there, if you're coding the wrong thing, or if you're building the wrong thing, um, you're not adding value for the business. And so if you don't have that curiosity to, to proactively make sure that you are actually contributing to what the business needs, you're not going to be very successful in the previous non remote world there might be a lot of opportunities to course correct, but in, in a new world, this is a skill that becomes even more essential. 
when we hire, right, since, since joining Calm, I've hired, I think, roughly over 10 people um, in the course of like six months, we have our rubrics. And fortunately, the rubrics already have elements that we look for that very much favors, you know, these cool, cool qualities. Growth mindset is one. Growth mindset includes receiving feedback, always looking for areas to improve and things like that. Business sense is another one. This is the, are you outcome focused? Do you do the thing just because it's fun and interesting or do you do it because it's actually going to move the business forward? Do you align yourself to understand what the business needs so that you're building the right thing to actually build on top of the other things so the business can be moving forward? And I would say in my experience working in various teams, that's not actually something you can take for granted. Not every person out there does that. And maybe this is also growth areas for those who haven't picked up the skill yet, but having that in your team is going to go a long way for hybrid teams. All right. So tell us a bit about um, what you do as the director of engineering at Calm so, so we can be on the same page. And then I'll ask you about how you support your team differently, if at all, in this hybrid environment. I manage a few teams at Calm, and so I manage the B2B engineering teams to support our Calm for Business uh, business, and I also manage uh, various platform teams, which includes data engineering and also uh, engineering platform. Awesome. Thank you. And how do you support them differently, if at all, in this hybrid environment? Uh, yeah, that's a really great question because I joined remotely. So it wasn't like I shifted. It started out being remote. So I would say there were certain things that I m- make sure to do because we were in a remote world. I think all of my teams have hired a lot in the last six months. So they have a lot of new hires that they are onboarding. So doing a set of things to make sure that our new hires are onboarded successfully. That's one. Um, And I can go into more details in a bit. Two, even for non-new hires for the existing team, there is a need to communicate and align always. It's harder to course correct. So what we do is we are documenting a lot more about what is our quarterly goal right? What is our current priorities and using documentation to align the team instead of rely on day-to-day interaction. Uh, One example was when we started off 2021, we know that we're continued to be remote. For each team, we actually got together and kind of creating a strategy doc and a roadmap to kind of talk about what are some things aligning on reality. Do we have the same reality? Do we understand how we're doing? What are we doing well? What are we not doing well? And what are some of the things that we can be doing together as a team? Again, it's like as a team. Interesting enough, sometimes people have different realities. Some might think that, oh, we're actually not executing very well and, and you know, being overly self-critical. But then from, from my perspective, I'm like, no, look at all the things that you've done and, and shipped. This is really great. But, you know, these are the actual areas of improvement. Don't worry about the rest, right? I think when we first started going remote, there's a lot of thoughts about, oh, are they going to still be productive? And that's actually so ingrained in a lot of my teams. What I find myself needing to continuously do as a leader is to remind them all the good things that they have done and not to have them even take it for granted because people can be so hard on themselves. Going back to the onboarding piece a bit, that, that in itself could be a whole podcast, right? So... Uh, I'll I'll give some high-level tips 
uh, for, for kind of the remote onboarding. When I talked about the hybrid situation before, um, that was a person who was already on the on the team and has established relationship and worked well with the team. That's actually very different when it comes to someone who is joining a team brand new and is onboarding remotely. I personally uh, onboarded remotely, so I have a lot of empathy for whoever is doing that. Because for, for new hires, they don't know what they don't know. They don't have contacts. And in a remote setting, it's like this. One minute, you are getting fire hose of information and it's just overloaded and your brain is just like boiling. The next minute, it's completely quiet and you're alone in your room with no information. So it's just like really, really tricky. So how do you and your team as onboarding this person provide a safe space and, and you know, creating a sustainable way for them to onboard? And so for every one of our new hires, we have very explicit detail, 30, 60, 90 day plan. This is a good practice before. Now it's absolutely essential. They don't know. You have to tell them what documents to read, what meetings to go to, who to meet, what context they should aim to try to understand in the 30, 60, 90 days, right? Very explicit in a document. Frequent check-in from the direct manager in the first few weeks, giving them quick wins that they can actually tackle in the beginning so they know what achieving feels like. And then dedicated onboarding buddy to pair with them, to get them to onboard, right? Kind of getting them, if no one else, go to this one person and ask questions. And the fourth thing that we do and has been successful is a dedicated onboarding Slack channel so that they can ask anything because that's a safe space. First thing, a safe space for them to ask any question and for people to frequently check in on them. So those are the few things uh, we did to make sure onboarding for remote engineers are successful. Do you mind me asking who is in the onboarding Slack channel? Because that's kind of interesting. Like if everybody's in there, then it's not a safe space to ask all the questions. But who do you include? For each new hire, we create their own dedicated Slack channel. So even their name is on it. So like, let's say you're onboarding. It'll be like onboarding uh, Carolina on this date. And in there, we would usually add their immediate team and their onboarding buddy. And then we usually post our channel in another channel to say, hey, whoever wants to come help this person out, feel free to join. And so that, in a way, it's a mix of immediate team, their manager, um, and also sporadic of people who are interested in helping out this new hire, right? And usually like no more than 10 people in, in a channel, just how it goes. It's very personal. Yeah. It's not just a general onboarding channel, because then again, it goes to what you describe it like oh now is a bit intimidating with like 60 people in the channel what if this question is stupid thank you thank you for for answering that that sounds like they really do have a very personalized experience so do you anticipate in the future where perhaps everybody's vaccinated or we somehow co locate with the virus do you anticipate going back to the office or going to the office at all or opening an office is this is this in the future plans of calm you know as eng managers and leaders we talk about this a lot i think 
for Calm, uh, our headquarters is in San Francisco. The plan is to continue to keep our office in San Francisco. So when the pandemic is under control, people can't have the option to go back to the office. But what I think is it's unlikely that we would require people to go back to the office. It's going to be optional. And we'll figure something out where like maybe not dedicated desks, maybe people can just like, how many days of a week do you want to go back to the office? Because most people on the team, when I ask them, they would rather go half the time or maybe like, you know, once or twice a week or two or three times a week, uh, depending on their situation. So yeah, we want to have that flexibility for a space where people can go in person if they need an office um, and just be remote if they prefer that. Mm -hmm. What kind of challenges do you foresee with your fellow engineering managers? I am assuming most of the forward thinking uh, progressive companies are going to be allowing their team members to come to the office sometimes. And my preconception is that that will create new challenges for communications, for making sure that everybody is notified of everything, changes, how to keep up the documentation, how to organize meetings, how to facilitate meetings when half of the team is in the office and the other half is at home, how to team build, things like this. Well, we don't know what we don't know, right? The pandemic is still very much uh, alive right now. And so I think to me, my confidence is in when we went from in person to remote, the transition was actually fairly smooth. And I think that talks to a lot of our hiring uh, and the culture. The culture is that people believe in the mission and they want to do what it takes to for the company and the business to be successful. And so while all of these changes are happening, people are adjusting. Everyone is trying to figure out ways to make it work, trying to surface issues sooner rather than later. And what I have observed is that whenever something new comes up or something that is unknown come up, we just deal with it. And I think that just speaks to having a mechanism in place where you can surface misalignment and issues or conflicts, right? We've certainly seen more conflicts happening and really have the confidence, lean on the team to actually solve these as they come up. Sometimes I think the things that might be challenging is something is going wrong for a while and we don't know it, right? And we don't want that. So the process to allow these things to come up is we have retros at the end of every sprint. So this is where like each team will do their retro and kind of talk about what are some things that could be better or things that were frustrating. Quarterly, we also have culture amp survey where we actually ask and honestly, like everyone in the company to fill in the survey to tell us what's not going well, what's going well, what's working and what's not. And so like having and as leaders accountable to actually look at the results and make changes to help the team continue to be successful is key. When we can all go back to the office, I'm sure there'll be a new wave of challenge, but I have no doubt we'll fix it. It's just, I've seen the team does, does it before. So yeah, not, not too worried. Awesome. That's the spirit. Um, <laughs> sounds really great. You said that there have been perhaps more conflicts arising you know, like everybody is a bit more on the edge and we are doing this for the second year. So it's not surprising that maybe more conflicts arise, but it made me think about leadership in, in a hybrid future 
what in your opinion are the most important skills when it comes to leading engineering teams in this way? It's definitely something I've talked with with other leaders as well. Like what are some of the things that we've seen since going remote or even in the future when we go back to the office? And there's definitely more conflicts that would have happened uh, that we wouldn't have seen before, right? Um, or just more frequent conflicts. And when it comes to conflicts, a lot of times is generally just missing contacts or misunderstanding or just a conflict in communication style. If you're hiring the right team, I would say, and if you are retaining and, and sort of cycling the team, you know, according to your values, um, and that, that's really important, right? Like values is beyond just the, the high fives and the, the happy hours. Also like what values do you encourage and what, what values do you not allow or discourage on the team? So almost every single conflict that I could think of has to do with misalignment or misunderstanding. And so as leaders, what we have to do is like, is there a way to service these conflicts? It sometimes comes up during retros where people like talk about what frustrates them. It sometimes comes up during one-on-one conversations where, you know, a report might tell you that was really frustrating. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. But what I find myself always going back to is number one, telling the team, like, assume best intentions. This is not just you. Everyone's experiencing this not just within my organization or just like with my peers outside of Calm, they're also seeing the same thing. And more often than not, it's actually not as malicious as, as people might think. Sometimes we look at a set of facts and we, we might cook up a story behind the scene like, oh, you know, they did this, therefore they didn't respect me. Or they did this, therefore uh, they didn't care about my priorities. More often than not, people just don't know. And so like one thing that we try to always do is, hey, assume best intentions. If that person has a good intention, why do you think this is happening? So don't know, why don't you ask the person? So we get people who are in conflict actually talking to each other. We don't want to be the go-between. Um, and more often than not like that, that conflict just resolves itself because it's usually not that big of a deal. When it comes to bigger issue, like let's say someone is having truly a misalignment with overall leadership about what is a priority. Uh, or perhaps they're not actually being inclusive. They're actually unkind. They're not willing to be part of the solution. That's when us as leadership team have to make the tough decisions. Like, hey, do we want that continuously to be something we want on the team? Um, that's where you want to keep people accountable, right? What I find is we can, as leaders, tell our team to suck it up, to put up with it. Right. We do have to hold people accountable. If we, we if we want the team to act a certain way, we, we do have to enforce if people are crossing the line. Um, so, yeah, I think those are some of the things that we are finding ourselves needing to deal with more in this new world. All right. We are approaching the end of our conversation, but uh, I'm really interested in your take on just meetings in general we've seen a lot of new data and we've experienced a lot together in in this new world of online interactions but what's your experience uh, do you require your team members for example to always have their camera on in meetings 
how often do you have larger meetings or workshops when participation from everybody or almost everybody is required for a good outcome? That's a really interesting question. And I, I would say it went through a revolution. I think in the beginning of the pandemic, when we thought, oh, it's going to be a few months, <laughs> we thought it was a few months, then we're like, yeah, everyone should turn a, ca a camera on, video on, and so then we can continue to, there's a lot of visual signals and cues that you don't get if your video is off, right? And so in the beginning, I remember at my last startup, we were telling people, yeah, absolutely, video has to be on, and engagement is key, and making sure you're on time, and, and all of that, right? It's been a year since working in this remote world, and Zoom fatigue is real. So now we're a little bit more relaxed around it. We still prefer people to turn the video on, but I understand that sometimes people just don't want to look at themselves on camera. At least turn your self view off so you're not always trying to look your best like uh, while you're in a meeting. But just a little bit more self-care and a little bit more relaxed. As long as you're able to have a productive meeting and do what makes sense for the well-being of the employee and, and just well-being of the team, right? If everyone's video off is just losing engagement, let's turn it back on. But giving the option and flexibility for people to adjust um, based on what they prefer. I think that's, that's one key. I think another thing is for myself and for my team, we have a much higher bar for when we call a meeting. We want to create uh, an environment where your meetings are productive because otherwise you're just looking at Zoom and, and wasting each other's time. And so almost every meeting we require, there's a doc, there's an agenda, and there's something to talk about. And feel free to just say, oh, there's no agenda, please add one. Uh, or like, oh, we have 15 minutes left, everybody just hop off. It's just kind of as time went on, people start to pick it up because no one wants to stay on Zoom for longer than they have to. But then at the same time, we're also starting to miss out on the interaction because like now every time to interact like this, you have to get on a meeting. You have to you have to almost schedule your FaceTime with people. And so we also kind of sprinkle some mimicking like organic interaction, like having a fun channel where it's social, like a pets channel or kids channel so people can like show a version of themselves and some people would do like impromptu just zoom hang out uh, if they want to but we want to leave it to the team um, that's not something we want to enforce but effective meeting uh, is something we we highly encourage and we also highly encourage people to decline meetings and hop off a meeting that are just not really going anywhere so yeah all right thank you for that we talked about so much we talked about really having inclusivity within your teams and we we talked about just the massive importance of clearly lining up who you are looking for and what your values are within the team and what can really pump up those values and and help those values grow and help the company grow and we also talked about some like I guess like good Zoom hygiene, if that's uh, yeah, if if that's rules a of Zoom engagement. <laughs> right, right. Wow. What would you like to give, like as a, I want to say, like good tip for our listeners? Like, what do you think is the number one thing when it when it comes to leading a remote or a hybrid team? 
So I'll, I'll kind of, um, there's like two things that I think uh, mm -hmm. I'd like to kind of add. Um, one um, is that, you know, if you are hiring, right, if you're like onboarding new members to the team, it's important to remember that uh, a well-gelled team is much, much more productive than just individual contributors don't work well together. And when we talk about gelling a team, there is a phase where we call the storming, norming, forming, and performing, right? So it takes some amount of interaction, excuses, and projects for people to actually have a reason to work together and learn how each other is and build that trust. So when you're hiring and, and having new members, making extra effort to gel the team is important. It might be giving this new member and existing member a project to work together. It might be, you know, throwing them in some challenges and, and getting them to gel. And as a leader, I think you can get signals whether or not the team is well gelled, right? Like, do they have conflicts? Do they deliver on time as expected? Like, those are some signs where you can tell whether or not the team is gelled. Like, spending efforts there is going to be, you know, pay dividends well into the future. A second thing that we really found out a lot since going remote is the feedback and recognition piece is a lot harder. So when we look at like cultural AMP survey, that's the part where we score much lower than previous years when everyone's in person. And if you think about in person, when someone does something nice, however small, you get a smile or a high five or shout out in person in real life. That's also part of that great togetherness and, and culture. In a remote world, that doesn't happen anymore. So how do you as an organization continue to have that? Some lightweight things that we have done is just creating shout out channels for, for teams. So we have like end shout out channel, we have like support team shout out channel, where it makes it easy for someone to recognize each other for however, what whatever kind of things that a person does to make another person's lives better and also just like give you a whole stream of like good vibes you know as you like scroll down the channel where people are celebrating each other either being a good neighbor or being awesome and shipping something that pushed the company forward i think these two things are definitely key to a happy and productive team just to build on that for a little bit to me after our conversation i think that what is really needed is just to be thoughtful to actually like look at the team and first of all ask them you know like how is it going and and let the team kind of create their own rituals but then also give them really good tools like the the shout out channels that you mentioned to make them feel better about the situation i feel like that's condescending but that that's the that's what we are doing, you know, like we are all trying to support each other in a sense. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just humans working with humans. And if you have a group of people who loves working together, believe in the mission, know what is the thing that they need to do. It's just a matter of making sure that they know that and providing them like a venue to be the best version of themselves, right? And I think in a remote world, that's still very doable. It's just the rules of change and we are adjusting as we go. Thank you. Thank you so much. With that said, where can our listeners follow you or follow your work? I'm on LinkedIn and I'm also on Twitter at E-W-O-N-G-F. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today. For sure. Thank you for having me. I very much enjoy sharing all the things that I've learned in the last year. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Dearest listeners, thank you for staying with Level Up Engineering to the end. Today, my guest was Ellen Wong, Director of Engineering at Calm. She shared a lot of great tips, so uh, make sure you shout out to her if you have learned something or if you have implemented some of the things that she shared here today. And also make sure to give a shout out to Level Up Engineering. We are also on Twitter as LVLUPENG. With that said, thank you for staying with us. I am Carolina Toth, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time. See you next time.